Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have you with us as we continue together our brand new series which we started in our last episode and we titled that Take Off. Essentially, the whole series is about the Holy Spirit. And we said that Christians believe in a triunity God, in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are not three gods. They are one in three persons. And we uh, explained that Christians cannot live a Christian life without the power enabling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a big deal. And sadly, some Christians do not know the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in their walk and their ability to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and uh, they, they moan about being defeated, about not having a passion to experience God and to enjoy the Word. They, they find it very hard to live selflessly. They discover that on their own abilities, they go through a cycle of try and fall, uh, try harder and fail again and eventually they give up on the possibility of living a vibrant, passionate, selfless life that Jesus came and died to offer His followers on planet earth. And therefore Christians become a little bit lethargic. Uh, they experience maybe, uh, you know, a time where they declare uh, cognitively at least some assertions and beliefs about Jesus. Uh, but then they, they live almost in hibernation until the day they wait for Jesus to come back. But we are endowed with power from on high to be able to live the Christian life in such a way that we're not sleepy heads, that we are actually enjoying God here on earth. It is written that in His presence there is fullness of joy and at His right hands there is pleasures forevermore and He cannot experience the presence of God without embracing the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, friends, enables you and I to take off, to live on a completely different realm. It's like some people that live in the realm of the flesh. They attempting to follow God in some of their, uh, you know, willpower or their own human strength or uh, whatever it might be that they have relied on for such a long time to perform their way into God's good books and it's almost like they walking on a plane when they actually can fly in a plane and we explained that Paul who wrote half the New Testament inspired by the Holy Spirit mentions in Romans 8 9 that you that is the followers of Jesus you are not in the realm of the flesh that you're not living apart from God you're not living in your own abilities and with your own might and strength but you are in the realm of the Spirit since indeed the Spirit of God 
God lives in you. That means if you have the Holy Spirit, you've been elevated from walking in life to flying by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we said the premise and the promise of this series is that you can live an extraordinary life in a spiritually endowed, empowered, encouraged connection and union with the Spirit. And I put it to you this way, living by the flesh, that means living in your own capabilities, as compared to living by the Spirit, empowered by God Almighty, is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. And if you've ever encountered, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, if you've ever embarked in, a, in an aircraft or, or you've, you know, flew from one place to another, you realize that, boy, this is not dependent on me. It's not like that I have to work hard whilst I'm on the airplane to make sure that we get to our destination or I need to perform some exercises to get there or I need to carry the wing of the plane so that we can get there safely. You're basically there in the aircraft and as a result of the mechanical technicalities and the skill of the crew, you're able to reach your destination safely. And this is the great promise of living in life by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you probably heard some of those silly, funny announcements of pilots about different uh, air airways. You know, I've, I've heard the one. You probably may have heard of it. I can say that because I'm Egyptian. You heard uh, the announcement of the pilot about the safety standards of Egypt Air or, you know, tying your seat belt to the arm of the chair and you don't have a seat. We will help you to tie your seat belt to your suit case and the reality is that 30% of their passengers arrived to their destination safely in the last 12 months and we laugh but the reality is some people are actually suspicious about the safety standards of flying some people fear flying some people have heard some really stupid uh, you know stories that people shared uh, you know uh, with them about you know uh, planes crashing and and it's true, uh, but that can create such suspicion and fear. Others of us don't understand too much about the uh, aeromechanics behind the flying of aeroplanes. We're a little bit superficial of our understandings. Like you enter into a door, it's like a big room, and all of a sudden you're up there somewhere in the air. You watch a couple of movies, and you're finally at your destination. That's a superficial understanding of what's happening, but that's sufficient for some. And others of us are, are really, I would say, have a sensationalist type of, of understanding of life. It's all emotional. It's all, you know, hyperactive. And this is much the same as what happens with our relationship, understanding and connection with the Holy Spirit. Some of us are so suspicious of connecting with the Holy Spirit. We've seen churches or individuals that act pretty weird and call themselves spirit-filled 
people and he say, oh man, whatever you do, don't come near me. I'm, I'm, I'm scared enough the way it is. And others of us have a very superficial understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's hearsay type of understanding. Oh yes, yeah, somebody told me about something to do with the Holy Spirit. Oh, maybe I, I heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit. I didn't really fully understand. I don't really know what the big deal. What can we just call Him God? Why do we have Father, Son, all that? May just not really making sense to me. I'm a simple person and we just, we, 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 we have a superficial understanding and miss the profound impact of really knowing the person of the Holy Spirit who is the third person in the Trinity. And some of us are really, to some extent, we have embraced the sensationalist understanding of the Holy Spirit. Like we want whatever is funky, whatever is cool. You know, I want to be prayed over and I want to fall. I want to have these strands. I want to experience, you know, the power of the Spirit of God. I want to be able to pray over other people and they get healed or they fall over or, or they experience tingly feeling. You know, I encounter Christians all the time that think the presence of God is all about feelings. It's like, oh man, I experience a, a, a really amazing feeling while I was worshiping like, like, the Holy Spirit is not about feelings the Holy Spirit is not about you know exciting your emotions you can have camera light action and it feels like the Holy Spirit has filled the room if you do a little bit of smoke a smoke machine that doesn't cost too much but the Holy Spirit is far better than that and what we need is a solid biblical orthodox understanding of the person and the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit. So today I want to share with you again another uh, example from the discourse, the farewell discourse of Jesus before he left planet earth. And that's in John chapter 16. We talked about John 14 last time. And here from verse 7 to 13, uh, Jesus really explains to the disciples again, just in case they didn't get it the first time round, about the importance and the critical nature of the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, But very truly I say to you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you on all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. We see the critical importance of having the Holy Spirit to the extent that Jesus says, it is so good, it is better than I, for me to go away and leave planet earth so that you can have the Spirit of God. That's what a big deal it is to have the Spirit of God. So what is the nature of the Spirit of God? You see, throughout the scripture, we have so many different symbolic images of the Spirit of God. 
I want today to simply share with you five simple ones that may stimulate your desire to read more about the Holy Spirit or even better, to pray that He would reveal himself to you he has the spirit he is the spirit of revelation and he can manifest his character and his nature to you those uh, symbolic images that speak of the nature of the holy spirit in the scripture are summarized that he is a dove that he is water that he is wind that he is fire and that he is oil. Allow me so ever so briefly to look at each of those and give you one example from the scripture. The Holy Spirit as a dove is expressed in all the gospels really, but particularly I want to pick up from Mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 13. And it's in the narrative of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Here is the Spirit being uh, symbolized by a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And we see here the triune God, Jesus being baptized, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the expressed mind of God. And we see the Father speaking from heaven, affirming His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. And we see the Spirit descending on Him in a bodily form like a dove. And then we see that at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness the spirit led Jesus and he he had an intricate relationship in the life and ministry of Jesus as he is meant to have a, a profound relationship with us as Jesus's followers if we're ever going to live the life that resembles the character of Jesus on earth so what does it mean that the spirit is a dove so many little examples in the scripture that speaks of a dove and clarifies the nature of a dove, they may allude to the nature of the spirit. The first one comes from Genesis chapter 8. If you recall in Genesis 8, Noah was in the ark. There was the judgment on a flood that wiped off the earth. And now Noah was awaiting, uh, you know, the new life that is yet to come and that the water would be swept away and life will appear again on the earth so that he and his family and, and you know, pairs of every animal will be allowed to go out of the ark and inhabit the earth again. So in order to find out what's happening outside the ark, Noah sends a dove three times. And the first time the dove goes out, discovers that, you know, there can't be a home there. Uh, it's still in a mess, the earth in a mess, and the dove comes back right away. And Noah realized that there was no place of rest out there 
uh, for the dove. Then the second time Noah sends the dove, it comes back with a branch of uh, a, 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 an olive branch, which symbolizes peace. That there is life again on uh, on planet Earth, right? And then finally, when Noah sends the dove for the third time, it does not come back. It's found its home in. Uh, in, in the world that God has uh, readjusted and recovered and uh, reestablished and nourished. And much the same about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that is the sign of peace and the sign of new life. He is the bringer of new life for us. It almost like there is stages of, of people's lives where the Holy Spirit is sent there and there is no way He can inhabit uh, that, that environment. He can't really find a home into that person's life and says, I can't abide there uh, they're just walking so separately from God. And, and then there is time where they brings the peace that comes by the encounter of Jesus. And then he abides into the believer and into believers forever. The second thing that we know about doves that they are gentle. Jesus says to the disciples, like, be as gentle or as simple or are harmless as doves. And be as wise as serpents as we read in Matthew 10, 16. And the Spirit is so gentle. People get scared of the Holy Spirit because some weird people create convulsions and, and, and they represent Him in a forceful way. But He is a gentle Spirit. He doesn't harm anyone. He, you know, it's, it's known about doves that they don't attack even if their nest gets attacked. They, they, they then retaliate. They are harmless, they are simple, they are gentle. But also we see in the book of Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 14 that turtle doves or doves were a sacrifice that is known as burnt offering. And burnt offering was a voluntary sacrifice that offered to God and it was taken wholeheartedly and it was consumed fully as a result of sharing the heart of the person to surrender to God in wholehearted commitment. It's a full-on devotion to God. And the Holy Spirit is fully devoted to His people. He's not half-hearted. He is fully devoted and he, therefore He also enables God's people to live fully devoted. We also read about doves in the Song of Song, uh, chapter 2 and 12. In fact, we read about doves uh, as the different lovers describe their commitment to one another and devotion to one another by calling each other a dove. But also in Song 2.12, it speaks of a dove and a new day. And that's what the Spirit of God is. He is the pioneer of a new day. You see, in the Old Testament, the new covenant was promised to be the covenant of the Holy Spirit, the covenant of grace. He brings a brand new era, the era of knowing God wholeheartedly, and an era of being united to the triune God, an era of living the image of God on earth that was not possible to live in the Old Testament without the empowerment of the Spirit. 
This is the first thing, the Holy Spirit as a dove. The second thing is the Holy Spirit as water. On the last and the greatest day of the festival of the Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, the rivers of living water, Jesus meant the Spirit whom those who believed in Jesus were later to receive. The Spirit was going to be given lavishly like Joel said upon every flesh that believe upon Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection. Before then, as we will share later on in the next few episodes, the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament believers didn't have the permanent abiding of the Spirit of God upon them. So we are so privileged that the Spirit of God like water comes and resides in us. We receive Him. So what does water mean? Water throughout the Scripture, for example, in Revelation 21.6, it speaks about the spring of life. The Spirit, as we said, is the Spirit of life. He brings life. He creates life from Genesis to Revelation. The Spirit Spirit is a source of life, is one of person in the triune God who is life. Also, we read in Isaiah 12, 3, that there is the wells of salvation. Is water speaks of salvation and the Holy Spirit, as we will see in His function, He brings about conviction that results in salvation. You know, uh, you, you read some traditions about the Tabernacle, the Feast of the Tabernacles, that they used to draw water and go to the gate of water and pour it. And, and as they would do that, they would sing about the wells of salvation. Water also satisfies. You see, Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, 14, and He says to her, Whoever drinks of the water of this world will thirst again. And this is the reality that, that you and I have experienced ourselves, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian yet. It's like you achieve something and you're looking for something more. It's like you, 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 you get a particular, you know, you, you excel in a particular way and you want to go to the next level. You, you, you gain wealth in a particular measure and you want to go to the next measure. And, you know, life is like that where, we, where we're like running in the wilderness chasing water. But Jesus, by the power of His Spirit, he satisfies the soul. He gives us the spirit that satisfies. Finally, in Jeremiah 17, 8, it speaks of water as nourishment even in the days of drought. And the Holy Spirit gives you nourishment and causes you to grow and have vitality even when external circumstances spell drought and disaster and hardship. The Holy Spirit enables you to go to the next level of your development because he's the water that nourishes the third thing is he's like wind and we read about it in John 3 verses 5 to 8 when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and telling him that flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit 
And he said, you should not be surprised, Nicodemus, that I'm saying you must be born again, which is really being born again by the Spirit. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And that was the introduction of the day of Pentecost and the experience of the indwelling and filling and the overflow of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is wind? Well, the first thing we know in the scripture about wind, that it's invisible. You know, you can't catch the wind. But boy, oh boy, you can hear it and you can see its impact. You know, wind is powerful, but sometimes you can't touch and feel it, right? You know, you can't, you know, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind impacts. You know, throughout the scripture, we find that the wind, whether it's west wind, whether it's east wind, whether it's north wind, whatever it might, or south wind, the wind impacts the atmosphere. It either creates, you know, what it needs to bring rain, or it can be, uh, you know, uh, the wind that comes through the desert and it's uh, a hot and scorching type of wind. Whatever it might be, throughout the scripture we know that wind changes the atmosphere. Have you ever known an atmosphere that was changed uh, from mourning into dancing, uh, from discouragement into encouragement, from weakness into strength? Because the Spirit of God changed the environment as the people of God prayed and beseech God to come and encounter them. You know, the atmosphere changes by the power of the Spirit of God that you can't see it, but you can feel it. And also, finally, the Spirit of God is, is, is like wind, is like powerful, so powerful that He raises the dead as we read about it in Ezekiel chapter 3, 37 where it speaks of a, 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 a destroyed bones that become a very, very mighty army and we read about the power of wind and what God does with wind in Psalm 78 and verse 26. The Holy Spirit may be invisible but He has such power that changes environments and changes our life. Then the Holy Spirit is fire, symbolized by fire, particularly in Acts chapter 2 from verses 1 to 4, that they were in, you know, they, the Holy Spirit rested on the disciples in the upper room like tongues of fire that separated and came to, the, to, to rest on each of the disciples. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Fire resembles and symbolizes the nature of the Holy Spirit. Like in Exodus chapter 3, God manifested His presence in a burning bush like fire that doesn't consume, doesn't harm. So is the Holy Spirit. He rested on the disciples as fire but didn't harm them didn't consume them, but it was the fire of God's presence. We read about that again, about, you know, the presence of fire in the, in the tabernacle in the book of Numbers and that presence of God consistently and continually resided in God's 
uh, abode with his people. Then fire purifies. A fire refines. You know, the Spirit refines us as it's written in Titus 2.14. He doesn't leave us as we are. But also the Spirit consumes us and gives us passion. He makes us fervent in the Spirit as it's written when Jesus was with the disciples of Emmaus in, in Luke 24.32. It speaks of them being fired up and impassioned about their hearts were burning within them then the final thing the holy spirit is like oil it spoke of him in uh, in in the first epistle of john chapter 2 verses 20 and 21 and again in verse 27 but you have an anointing from the holy one and all of you know the truth you know he's the spirit of truth i do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth and again it says as for you the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but as his anointing teaches you know how the spirit teaches us all things and guide us into all truth and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit just that it has taught you remain in him you see anointing or the oil of anointing was was a symbol that was very clear in the old testament you know when they appointed someone as a prophet or a priest or a king we read that they poured olive oil on them and that anointing was to empower them for the task that they were to embark on by the power of the spirit of god in fact in first samuel chapter 16 and verse 13 we read about david being empowered for his kingly task and empowered by the holy spirit by the anointing that was placed on him and in acts 10 38 we'll read again about being empowered by the holy spirit and also the oil you know if you put a little bit of oil on your head and particularly my head which has not much hair left in it we shine right we shine it's it's, it's like what happens we read in exodus 27 20 and 20, 21 about the light that shines because of the oil the anointing oil also you know that the anointing oil doesn't just shine and empowers but there is healing that's associated with the anointing and the holy spirit is the the one that empowers and heals and shines through god's people he also brings revelation he teaches us the truth so we're not confused the holy spirit is the complete package that we need for every fiber of our walk with God from before we know Jesus until we meet Jesus the Holy Spirit the gentle one the Holy Spirit that satisfies the Holy Spirit that's devoted to us the Holy Spirit that directs and teaches and reveals the Holy Spirit that purifies and consumes us with passion the Holy Spirit that comes and changes everything that the believer can 
do in life? Is it any wonder that God, Jesus said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until he endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit from on high? I beg you, friends, do not try Christianity without the awesome, beautiful character of the Spirit of God. He is so simple, he's so innocent, he's so harmless, he has no selfish agendas, he glorifies God by giving you everything that you need to live life in a godly way. Would you in the next time that you're able to read the scripture, ask God to reveal himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may embrace him, that you may invite him into your life, that you may have a union with the triunity God that will absolutely take you from the hardship of walking in on a plane to flying in a plane and you will not know life Again, the way you've experienced it before, you will be lifted to a brand new level of living with God. And that is my prayer for you. Until I see you next time, we love you, we pray for you, and trust God to direct you and reveal himself to you in a brand new way. God bless you. See you next time.